Luke chapter 11. <clears throat> first of a two-part series on, on missions. I'm going to be doing the first part. Let me just share with you this. I, I, I early on uh, in my Christian walk, I was saved 22 and a half years ago at the, age, at the tender age of 17. I'm going to be 40 this year. <laughs> 40 years old. But um, when I was first saved, I, I don't know whether I was taught this or I just grabbed it on my own. But uh, I had this idea that the world was my responsibility. You ever felt like that? And evangelism to me was a very guilt-ridden, orientated missions was a very guilt-ridden and, and, and manipulative kind of thing that I felt I had to do, not because there was any joy in my heart, but because I was supposed to do it, because people were going to hell around me, and I thought it was my fault. Walk downtown St. Paul, and someone would go by me, and I'd be thinking, maybe I was their one chance for them to get saved, and I didn't have the guts to go and talk to them. And so maybe on the judgment day, they're going to say, Greg, I passed you on the street down there in St. Paul, and you knew the truth, but you didn't share with me, with me why. And I'm supposed to go and be happy about things while they're going into hell. And, and I, it was just like, whoa, this is really heavy. And sometimes I would, you know, just start up conversations out of nowhere to try to, you know, share Christ with them. And I'm not against that. It's just that I did it not because the Lord was telling me to do it, but because I felt I had to do it. Someone told me I should do it. I, I felt fearful if I didn't do it. And they were very awkward, kind of like cold sales. And it was like, mm, you know, I ended up, you know, I thought evangelism was just being obnoxious for Jesus. And I was good at it. I just was, all through school, I just, I was shoving my faith down people's throats. Missions was kind of in my mind the same sort of thing, except that it's what people did. It's being obnoxious overseas instead of being obnoxious here. And getting natives to dress up with white shirts and ties. I mean, that's what, that was my idea of what missions is. I've had my, my feelings about that totally overhauled. Um, and the reason is because I have a different paradigm in thinking about it. And that's what I want to share with you here this morning. Um, a paradigm, a way of thinking about evangelism and missions. And the last thing it is, is something that's filled with guilt or manipulation or oughts and shoulds or photographs of, of, of natives. I mean, that's not bad, but I'm just saying that some of us associate missions just with that. Let me read a couple of passages here before we preach. Luke chapter 11, Jesus here has just been in this big debate with uh, the Pharisees about how he cast demons out of people. They say that he cast demons out of people by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. Jesus says, how can that be? Because if I am casting out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, it's another name for Satan, then Satan's kingdom is divided against itself and it couldn't stand. A house divided against itself can't stand, but Satan's kingdom is standing up, so it can't be divided. And then he comes back with this reply. If, however, I'm casting out... No, he says, uh, verse 20. But if it's by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. If I'm casting out demons by the finger of God... I like that metaphor. God doesn't have to use his whole arm. He just uses a finger. Kind of like a flick. If, I, if I'm casting out demons by the finger of God... Then you know that the kingdom has come among you. The term kingdom means literally, both in Greek and in English, the king's domain, the king's dome. The area in which the king is king. That's his kingdom. And the kingdom of God is where God is king, and where God is king, everything else that thinks it's king has got to leave. So the kingdom, the king's domain of darkness, is where the dark one, the, the, the evil one, is king. And when the kingdom of God comes, when the king's domain of God comes... And takes over that kingdom, it must leave. 
And so Jesus is saying, if I'm routing demons by the power of God, by the finger of God, then you know that I can't be doing this by the kingdom of Satan, because that's the kingdom that's leaving. I must be doing it by the kingdom of God. Then he gives this teaching here. When a strong man who is fully armed, two things he's got going for it. Number one, he's strong. Number two, he's fully armed. When he guards his castle, his property is safe. He's referring to Satan here, guarding the property of the world. And as long as he's strong and as long as he's fully armed, the property is safe. But when one stronger than him attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and he divides his spoils. That, in a word, is what Jesus Christ did. He binds the strong man and then says, Okay, kids, plunder the house and divide up the spoils. Matthew 13. That is about missions. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31. This is all about missions here. Verse 31, he says, He put before them a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. This is what the kingdom of heaven's like. Heaven's God's domain. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. He planted it. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and in fact becomes a tree. It gets huge. So that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. When the kingdom is planted, this is me now, not the Bible, it's so small a bird could easily devour it, but when it gets fully grown, it's the place where the birds live. It's not afraid of birds anymore. Verse 33, he told him another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast or like leaven that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Leaven ferments. It's it's often used as a metaphor for sin. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. That can be a good thing or a bad thing. It can be a bad thing if it's referring to sin. Uh, It gets in there, it ferments, it multiplies, it takes over. But it's also a metaphor for the kingdom of heaven. It starts very, very small. It's... it's, uh, Compound is one to three ratio, but then it grows, and eventually it takes over, and that's the kingdom of God, and that's what evangelism is about, and that's what missions is about. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that this morning you would help us be kingdom people. It's what we are. We don't always think like it. We don't always feel like it, and we don't always act like it, but it's who we are, Lord. And I just pray, Lord God, that this morning you'd use your message as a way of growing the mustard seed and as a way of of, uh, fermenting the leaven. And raise up here a people who care about nothing else as much as they care about being kingdom people. And doing the work of your kingdom. And reaching the world for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think the problem that I had early on with uh, thinking about missions and evangelism. And it's a problem that many people I think have in, in terms of evangelism and missions. Is that you think about evangelism and missions as something that you do. On top of being a Christian. First there's being a Christian and then there's something else you do. Namely, you're supposed to evangelize. And that involves all sorts of awkward conversations or it involves going overseas to India or something like that. But that is really an unbiblical way of thinking about the issue. Missions and evangelism is not so much something we do, it's something that we are. And I want to explain that here this morning. In fact, I believe that anything of kingdom value that we would ever do comes out of, what we do comes out of understanding who we are. And who we are comes out of understanding who Jesus is. 
To the degree that our doing comes out of our being, it is kingdom stuff. And to the degree that our being comes out of who Christ is and nothing else, we are kingdom people. So I'm going to back up here and lay some foundation, some conceptual foundation. And some of this might be a little bit difficult, but I want to ask you to, to work with me here, struggle with me here, to follow this. What did Jesus Christ come to do? If we understand that, we're going to understand something about who we are and what, what we are called to do. When Jesus Christ came, when the Messiah came, there were a lot of people, in fact, most Jews had this understanding about the Messiah. They believed that the Messiah, the anointed one of God, that's what the word Christ means, the Christ was going to come and set up the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the place where God rules. So when the Messiah comes, everything that opposes God was supposed to end. The kingdom of Satan, Satan's domain was supposed to be vanquished. And everything that had anything to do with the kingdom of darkness was to be vanquished when the Messiah came. Sickness was supposed to end. Nature itself, which the ancient Jews understood, was corrupted by the evil one. And so we should understand it today. It's gone haywire northern Minnesota to see that. It's not operating the way God intended it. Everything's been infected. But when the Messiah comes, the Jews believe everything should be put right. Political oppression should cease. Sin should cease. Injustice should cease. Love should reign. God's, God's truth should reign. And every nation, every knee should bow down and worship Yahweh. To this day, if you ask an Orthodox rabbi, if he believes in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, he'll tell you no. And if you ask why, he'll give you this answer. Because the world is not the Messiah's world. The kingdom has not come. The world is as bad as ever. You still have the struggles, the wars, the problems, the bloodshed. The rebellion going on throughout the world. The the natural catastrophes going on throughout the world. This can't be the king's kingdom. Therefore, Jesus can't be the Messiah. Here's what's unique about Jesus. On the one hand, he came and he did the kingdom stuff that a Messiah was supposed to do. He says, I, if I flick out demons by the finger of God, you know the kingdom has come. I'm setting up God's domain. That's how I'm routing demons. And so he brought the kingdom of God. He was the walking, talking body of the kingdom of God. And wherever he went, he pushed back the kingdom of darkness. Whether it was delivering people from demons, or whether it was giving uh, giving sound or hearing abilities to those who were deaf, or giving sight to the blind, or healing a woman of scoliosis, Acts 10.38 says he went around freeing free people from the bondage of Satan by healing their sickness and diseases. He brought the kingdom. But... The world as a whole has not been radically changed. That's what's what's, what's odd about this whole thing. And the last thing the world saw with regard to the Messiah is that he got crucified. And that's not supposed to happen to the one who's supposed to bring God's reign. Here's the Messiah crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? How can he possibly be the Messiah? But see, here's... What we need to understand. Here's what the Jews of then, the Jews today need to understand. And here's what we, if we're going to really be the kingdom people who do missions and evangelism with the right frame of mind, what we need to understand is this. Pause for a drink break. God is a God of process. He's always been a God of process. Look around at the pattern of this world. 
Everything involves a process. It doesn't just pop into existence. It comes through a process. Even the creation of the world came through the process of the six days. He could have just popped it all into being at once, but he, he took some time in doing it. We don't know whether the days are literal or whether it's a million years or whatever. People debate that kind of stuff, but it's unimportant. There was a process involved. Whenever God grows a tree, he starts with a seed. Whenever God grows a person, he starts with a seed. God always does process. When God saves us, we're not instantaneously perfect, are we? No. There's a process of development, a process of growth. God is a God of process, and he likes, to, he likes to work through different means to bring about his results. So it is in the kingdom of God. There are three stages to the coming of the kingdom in this world. Stage one, Yahweh the creator enters the enemy's territory, and he ties up the strong men. Because he's stronger than the strong man, he ties up the strong men. He deals a mortal wound to the strong man. That's what his death and resurrection was most fundamentally about. Stage one, he enters in, ties up the strong men. Stage one, he enters in. He is a mustard seed that gets planted. Stage one, he is the leaven that gets introduced into this, this, this flat dough of the world. That's what he came to do, stage one. But there's a stage two. And in stage two, here's what he does. He works through a process. I am the seed. You are what grows from the seed. He says to his body. He says to his bride. He says to his church. I've tied up the strong man. I give you the authority to plunder his house. And there's nothing he can do. And they're going, vroom, vroom, vroom. do it. He could do it himself, but he's pleased for a lot of reasons we can't get into right now to turn it back to the church. From the divine perspective, I'm sure it happens in a split second. The, the, the Messiah comes. And there's a growth band, then the kingdom's here. But from our perspective, we're here on the inside, and it's been 2,000 years, and it might be another 1,000 years, which is still a blink of an eye for the, for the Lord. But there's a process. The mustard seed comes, it gets planted, the mustard tree begins to grow, and eventually takes over the world. You and I are the mustard seed, which is now turned into the mustard tree, and it's growing. You and I are the leaven that keeps on fermenting, keeps on multiplying. We are the kingdom that is coming. The third stage is this. The Lord will return. He's told us that. He's present now in the church. We are his body. He's come the first time, planted the seed. The mustard tree is growing. He's going to return as the master vineyard here, the the caretaker of the vineyard. He's going to prune away everything that does not agree with his mustard tree. He's going to prune away everything that does not agree with the kingdom of God. He's going to throw it into the dump. That's what the word hell means in Greek, Gehenna. It's a dump outside of Jerusalem. Everything that is not fit for the purpose for which God created, it gets thrown away. And then, then the world will acknowledge the kingdom of God. It is here already, but it's not manifested yet. The means by which it gets manifested is you and it's me. The Lord gave me a picture of this, and it's a bizarre picture, but I want to share it with you. If we could just lower this here, uh, lower the screen a little bit more, and turn off the lights, and can we shut the door? Um, I want to share with you this picture and explain it. Now, oh, yeah, we've got to turn this on. Isn't that a nice picture? Okay. Now, you can see that I uh, am not an expert on computer graphics, so um, <clears throat> this is done by the good old scissors and paste method. But we are, we are really techno, uh, uh, technologically sophisticated here, because look at this. Toot. Huh? Hey, look at that. All right. Okay, here's the picture. Here's the future. And here's the past. And here's an arrow that's pointing from the future into the past. And when I first got this picture, I thought, Lord, you know, I don't mean to correct you or anything, but the arrow's going the wrong way. (laughs) 
Uh, the flow of time is this way. But then, upon further reflection, I could see why the arrow is pointing in a different direction. Let me explain this here. Here's the, the time that we are in. Here's the time that we are in. It is still a time when the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of darkness reigns. 1 John 5.19, the Bible says that Satan has control of the entire world. He's called the principality and power of the air. The prince of this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4, the god of this age. All right? It, this whole area here is, is the darkness. Here is in the future when the kingdom of God shall include the whole world like it should because he created it. It is the domain of God. And when this happens, the entire world, all of reality will conform to the purposes of the sovereign king because it belongs to him. It's rightfully his. And everything that does not agree with this will be thrown out into the outer rim here, which is, which is, the, 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 uh, which is Gehenna, the dump, hell. What shall be real, what shall be true will be the kingdom of God. His love shall reign. His peace shall reign. His joy shall reign. Every knee and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It will be beautiful. This is the time of the new earth, a time of the new heaven. We shall reign with Christ upon this world, the Bible says in Revelations 5.10. That is what's happening. But what we need to understand here is this. This isn't just a future reality. It is already present in the world as a mustard seed. The cross is the mustard seed of the kingdom of God. Jesus is that was planted in the ground. He came, 1 John 3, 8 says, He came to destroy the devil and his works. And that, folks, he did. Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says that on the cross he disarmed the principalities and powers and he paved the way and he purchased the price for us to be totally and perfectly reconciled to God the Father, thereby taking away every accusation the enemy could ever use on us, freeing us from the kingdom of darkness and making us in the kingdom of God. And now the Bible says in Ephesians 1, we are in Christ, reconciled in Christ, holy in Christ, spotless in Christ. He's the seed, but we're the plant that's growing from the seed, and the plant has the same character as the seed. Praise God. So the Bible says we are the church. The word in Greek, ekklesia, means the called out ones. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says, we have been transported from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Think about that. We've been transported. We've been moved. Think of the Star Trek beam thing, you know? We've been beamed. Jesus, beam us aboard. We've been beamed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's what the, the word literally means to be transported. And now we are called out from the dark world. We are called the body of Christ because we are, this isn't a cute metaphor, folks. This is what's real. We are the hands. We are the feet. We are the mouth. We are the body of Christ. Here is his, here's the mustard seed body that he has. This is the growing mustard tree body that he has. It is you, it is me. It is growing. We are the light of the world because we are in Christ. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man goes to the Father except through me. We are light to the darkness. When we are who we, who we are created to be, we are light. We are the army of God because we've been empowered to plunder the house. 1 John 3, 8, he destroyed the devil. He dealt a death blow to him. The, the war has been won, but there's still battles to fight. But he gives to us, the former slaves of the enemy, the power to now trample on him and says, you finish up the work. Here's the seed. You grow the tree. I'm with you all. We'll build my church, praise God. We do it by knowing the truth that is in Christ. We know who we are. Folks, this is the future that is present. The kingdom, in a full sense, is going to be manifested in the future, but it really is present here. That's why Jesus says the kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. 
We are to think of ourselves and relate to one another, relate to ourselves and relate to the world as the people of the future. In us, the future has come. That's why this is simply this over here. This is simply this over here. Are you following me here? The future reality of the kingdom of God is in us. Planted here, growing here, taking over the world here. The way that we grow is simply by being the people of the future. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 24 says this. Father, I pray that they may be one, even as we are one. Referring to his body, referring to his army, referring to his bride. I pray that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and they in me, that the world may know that you have sent me. How will the world know that Jesus Christ is sent from the Father? Will it be by our tracks? Will it be by our strategies? Will it be by our clever little academic theologies? No. He says it will be by the oneness that we have. When we begin to love as God is love, when our relationship to one another begins to mimic, in a small way, the love between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, when God's triune, perfect, unsurpassable love begins to be replicated in us, this is what the Bible means in 2 Peter 1.4 when it says we are made participants of his divine nature. We're not made God, but we participate in the love of God. And as we do that, the world begins to see that this is for real. You can tell that it was a mustard seed because it's growing a mustard plant. You can tell he's the Messiah because he's growing the kingdom of God. Praise God. And it happens, hallelujah, it happens as we let the love of God and through us. As we are the kingdom people, as we think as kingdom people, as we relate as kingdom people, the tree grows. It can't help but grow. Now there's coming a time, the Bible says, when the Lord's going to return. This is the Lord's return. When he will now finally formally establish what has been growing all along. When the time is right, when the way has been paved, he shall return. He shall judge the world. With fire, it says in 2 Peter 3, 7. That's a purging fire. It's a pruning fire. We, we, we pray with regard to our own life when we say, Lord, soak like, fall like fire, soak like rain. Burn up the chaff. Okay, he'll burn up the chaff. Everything that does not conform to the domain of God, to the rule of God, to the rule of love, the rule of joy, the rule of peace, shall here be vanquished and thrown out into the outer dump. Who we are, our identity and mission as a church is to live the kingdom of God now. This is what's going on in the world, folks. This is who we are. The world should be able to look at us and say, there's the future of the world. <laughs> this is what the world is, is to be moving towards. We're to live as though it has already occurred because in us, it has already occurred. And missions happens as we are the body of Christ. As we live as though we are, we're in heaven now, the kingdom of God is brought about. The word spreads. God is glorified. And the mustard seed plant keeps on growing and growing. Praise God. Okay, can you turn on the lights? Amen. Let me draw just a couple of principles here. A couple of principles. Principle number one about missions and evangelism. The most important thing about missions and evangelism is simply to be a kingdom person. Can you turn off that uh, thing there? To be a kingdom person. What is true of the world as a whole is also true, is also true of us individually. God always works through a process. He plants the mustard seed, and the mustard seed begins to grow. You know, that mustard seed gets planted. It's very, very small. It's got a pot of dirt to begin to find the outside and begins to grow gradually, slowly. But there's a lot of dirt that needs to get pushed back. So it is in our life. God works like that. You might say that before we can begin to evangelize the world effectively, 
We need to evangelize ourselves. We need to let that mustard seed begin to grow. If we're going to set up to be the means by which God's domain is spread here in this world, we have to be the place where God's domain is spread in our life. Our lives are to be domes in which God rules. Are you following me here? Domes in which God rules. And so the most important thing we can do for missions and the most important thing we can do for evangelism, the most important thing we can do, period, is to continually let God have our life as a dome, the dome in which he rules, to let our minds be the dome of God and our hearts be the dome of God and our memories be the dome of God and our families be the dome of God and our jobs to be the dome of God. To let our finances and all that we are and all the, all the talents we have be the domain of God. God's domain. Whereby we say, Lord, you rule here. Let God be the Lord of your ambitions. Let God be the Lord of your aspiration. Let God be the Lord of your dreams. Be the kingdom of God within you and let it sprout out. Let it grow. Let it take over. And see, as it takes over you, as it takes over you, it begins to affect the world around you. As the mustard seed that's planted in your spirit that says yes to Jesus Christ begins to permeate your soul, your psyche, your your personality, and then your body, and then your relationships, it begins to grow. It begins to ferment. It's leaven that just begins to take over the, the, the whole lump of dough. But it happens by saying yes to the king and letting the king be the, the king of every area of your life. You know, a mustard seed doesn't have to try to do anything other than be itself to become the mustard tree. Think about it. And the leaven doesn't have to be anything other than leaven in order to, to leaven the whole lump. And so it is with the kingdom of God. If we just begin to walk and talk and think and act like the kingdom people that God has called us to be, to be the body of Christ, to Christ just let God reign upon you. Let him become increasingly real to you. You'll find God creating opportunities. You'll become a veritable magnet to people around you. Lady shared with me a verse this morning, Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23, where it says, In the last days, there shall be uh, a Jew will be walking down the street, and ten people will come up and say, Show us the way. We understand that your way is the way of the Lord God. That's the, the goal of the kingdom here. God will make you a magnet. This is why the Bible says, <laughs> Jesus says, I will build my church. I will build my church. We don't build the church. God builds the church through us, praise God. Our biggest goal, the biggest aspiration is simply to yield and say, Lord, let the mustard seed grow. Lord God, just do what you will. You are the Lord of my life. You're the Lord of everything I'm a part of. Principle number one, it's just become the dome in which God reigns. Principle number two, what this means is this. We need to understand that this is the reason for being, folks. It is to be the kingdom here. In 70 years, uh, and maybe less if the Lord comes back tonight, you know, we, we might not even get that roller skating party going, you know. Uh, who knows? I mean, we just don't know. But in 70 years, the one thing that's going to matter, and when the kingdom does come, this will be sort of a little gestation period we look back at, but the only thing that's going to matter is how, how did we, what did we do to further the kingdom? How do we use the resources and the blessings that God gave us to further the kingdom? Let your resources be mustard seeds, growing branches of the mustard tree that God is... This is what God's doing in the world. This is so real. This is, what God, this, is, this is what's going on, folks. This is not a theory. It's not a philosophy. This is, we're talking reality here. Let your house be a mustard seed house. Let your job be a mustard seed job. Let your time be mustard seed time. Let God use it. Let it be leaven. Let, it be, let God ferment it. 
The kingdom happens as we understand that all that we are is to be given. Yes, he wants to bless us individually. He loves that. We're his bride. He likes just to pour it on us. But understand this. The most fundamental thing is, is, is to know that right now there's a lot of stuff that still is under the deception of the domain of Satan. And our primary job is to be continually pushing that back. And letting God build his kingdom through us. Take all that you have and understand it to be a tool for you as a minister, a priest, a kingdom person to use in furthering the kingdom of God. Point number three. Know that wherever you go and whatever you do, you are a missionary. I used to think that missions happened over in India only. Or over in Bangladesh or over in in Africa or whatever. It happens there. And if God calls you to go, if he's, the, if, he's, if he's the Lord of your domain, you've got to go. Whether you're in Africa or whether you're in New Zealand or whether you're in St. Paul, know this. You are in enemy-occupied territory. There's still plenty of th- things that are, are, are resisting the, gr- the growth of this mustard tree. You are to be a missionary to that context. Wherever you go, whatever you do. We are in this culture in a post-Christian age. You know, it used to be that we would send the missionaries over there, and we still do that, and we need to be doing that. That's part of the Great Commission. But there are now, in in the last several decades especially, missionaries from other countries coming here. (laughs) And that's a good thing, uh, because uh, we need it. Uh, This is a missionary context. There is a, we're in a post-Christian age where there's an anti-Christ spirit that is all around. We need to understand that wherever we go, whatever we do, on your neighborhood, you're a missionary. That simply means you have a mission. That's all it means. It's not a fancy term like you've got to wear some kind of funny clothes or something. No, you're, you're on a mission. That's a missionary. One who's on a mission, we've got a mission. We've got a mission. We are to be this. Point number four, do that by walking in the Spirit. You know, uh, if you, I don't believe evangelism is an awkward thing. Uh, you know, kind of like, oh, I know, I know what I was saying. You know, it's, that's, see, that, that's Jehovah Witness stuff. It's like, I'm supposed to do this, so I've got to, you know... If your walk means walking with, uh, with, your, with your life as, as the domain of God, God's working through you, God creates opportunities for you to share the gospel. Just be open to sharing it, and it comes naturally. Let me, let me share with you one, one example of this. happened two weeks ago. I was out with a couple um, uh, from church. We were out eating. They, they made this bid uh, for this missionary trip that we're taking, and, and uh, it was a fundraiser thing, so they, they bid some money to go out and have a theological discussion with me. Not that I'm worth it, but, you know, it's a gimmick. Okay, so, so we went out... And we had this great discussion. We were having a great time, and a lot of good things were happening. Now, as we're talking, see, we're at Baker Square, and that's a missionary field. Man, I'm doing missions in Baker Square. Wherever you go, under, just, just walk with this awareness. You're a kingdom person. Be doing godly stuff. We're talking, and this, these two people both had some uh, major obstacles uh, that have kept them from church all of their life. And it's just one of the things that God's doing here is he's tearing down those kind of walls. And one of the things was that one of these people had a mother who just went fanatical and crazy on religion. I mean, Looneyville, okay? Um, and not in a good way. There's a good way, but there's also a bad way. And she was in a bad way. I started sharing somebody that I knew that also went loony on religion uh, because someone had told her that she had committed the unforgivable sin. And she cracked up. She's been in and out of institutions ever since. Now, as soon as I said unforgivable sin, I noticed out of the corner of my eye that the waitress stopped, just froze which was, to me, a cue that I was supposed to keep on talking on that topic. Now, what, 
The point I was making had nothing to do with the unforgivable sin, but I just, I, God was moving there, and there was some kingdom work that needed to be done, some darkness that had to be pushed back. So I started talking to this person about unforgivable sin. Now, they didn't see that, so I'm sure they were wondering, what has this got to do with the point that we're talking about? But I started going, you know, some people think the unforgivable sin is this, and I can't go into the whole theology of it now, but, but uh, the point was I just started talking a little bit louder about the unforgivable sin, and I noticed this waitress, she was pretending like she was cleaning a table, you know, there's nothing there, which is kind of like leaning towards us. Finally, she's right up next to us, you know. And I finally turned, uh, kind of just looked at her and said, can I help you? <laughs> Would you like to order something? <laughs> but, with, but with tears rolling up in her eyes, she goes, I'm sorry, you know, I broke the number one rule of waitressing, but I, I just couldn't help it. Uh, could you please tell me about that, that unforgivable sin thing? And so we began to talk to her about, about the love of God and the forgiveness of God. And I began to tell her, you know what? If you're worried about it, you couldn't have committed it. If you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord, you couldn't do that except by the Holy Spirit. Uh, vanquish that thought. This lady had a, such a distorted, perverted, grotesque, dark picture of God. It was terrible. And I had, we had a chance there to just share with her the love of God. Turns out, six months earlier, this young lady had tried to commit suicide because she thought she had committed the unforgivable sin. And she still was walking with this heaviness in, in her heart. That was a missionary kind of thing. But it happens, it's one of those kingdom coincidences, but it happens when you're walking in the spirit, when you're walking in the kingdom. Yield all that you are, are all the time that you have to the kingdom. We're kingdom people, and God will see that the kingdom gets built through you. And if you go overseas to do it, go overseas to do it. We're to be doing this together. If you can support people going overseas to do it, support people going overseas, or support people who are taking full time off to go into whatever mission field, but we're in this together, and that's who we're supposed to be. And the fifth and final point, as the worship team comes up, because I want to end with a song here. The fifth, fifth and final point is this. Know that while we have an awesome job and a wonderful opportunity to be the mustard seed that is growing, and this is exciting stuff, folks. It is so much more exciting than the American dream. I mean, sell out to it. This is what's happening. This is what world's... What the sad thing is that there's so much deception in the church. A lot of believers don't even know this. That we're supposed to be people of the future. They don't understand this. They think it's just sort of an addendum to everything else. But this is what it's all about right here. What was my point? Oh, yeah, fifth point. We have a wonderful opportunity and job, but know this. It is Christ who builds this church. And because it's Christ who's building this church, it will get built. The kingdom don't happen. And there are times where I just like to sit back and savor the reality of what it will look like when this kingdom has come. When the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven like the book of Revelation describes. And we reign with Christ upon this earth. And we weren't going to need any light bulbs. Think about this. We're not going to need any light bulbs, it says. Uh, well, it doesn't say that. It says candles. But for us, it's light bulbs. Because Jesus Christ and the Lamb, coming out, you guys, are going to be the lights of this heavenly city. And we shall reign upon this world. And then the lion will lay down with the lamb. The world order is going to be different. Nature is going to obey the king. That will be his domain. There aren't going to be people of northern Minnesota. No more floods. That's not going to be happening anymore. Nature will obey God like it was created to obey God. His love shall reign. We shall be participants of his divine nature, even as we're supposed to be right now. But then it shall reign throughout the whole earth. And the Bible says in Revelations 20, every nation and every tribe... From every walk of life will come together and before the, the throne of God sing his praises, sing his worship, sing his adoration as his blessings slow down upon us, praise God. Hallelujah. It's going to happen. We don't know when. I don't know exactly how. I don't have the details. I don't even know if I'm pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib. But you know what? I don't care. It's happening, praise God. And our job is just to live it now. Live as though it has arrived. Be Amen. mustard season. The mustard tree will grow.